welcome to episode 38 of Nerd of Paradise. I'm your host Kate, and this episode is all about Phoenix Fan Fusion, formerly known as Phoenix Comic Con or Phoenix Comic Fest. So I know what you're probably thinking, wasn't that like the end of May and now it's like almost the end of July? Yes, that's true. (laughs) I apologize for the delay, I'm gonna file this one under better late than never. Um, and sorry for the radio silence, by the way. Um, I've been quite busy moving. Um, it was a rather extensive move to a new city, so that kind of took up a lot of my time. And then once I finally got unpacked, um, I was looking everywhere for my SD card that had all my Phoenix Fan Fusion stuff on it, and I couldn't find it, but I finally found it. So I guess lesson learned if you're ever moving and you're a podcaster, uh, keep those SD cards in a safe place. Or better yet, just uh, do the episode before you move. (laughs) So, lesson learned, I guess. But anyway, I got such awesome content from Phoenix Fan Fusion. I wanted to be sure to at least get an episode out there eventually. (laughs) So, I hope you guys enjoy it. I think that's all for... I think we'll get right to things and play some of those interviews I got, and then you'll hear from me again at the end. All right, so I'm talking to a Lego artist here. How's it going? Doing pretty good. What's your name? My name is Darren Jenrin. Yeah. Awesome. And your mm-hmm. booth is Scallywags International. Yes, that's uh, the, it's a, my wide umbrella company. That's cool. Yeah. So you got the game going. Mm-hmm. Scurvy dogs. Yeah. Scallywags, uh, a friend of mine, O Abnormal, and I, we started this company a few years ago. And by few, I mean, oh gosh, has it been eight, nine years ago? Uh, we've done some web comics together. We've made some children's books, uh, zombie poker decks. Uh, we we de- definitely try different projects and see what fits and what's fun, what's interesting to do. Uh, I started getting into Lego art about a year ago and started adding that to something that we just something we do <laughs> hey, now. Why yeah, not? Uh-huh. I, I, I mean it's very eye catching. Well, thank you. Yes. It's it gives me something to do at the booth. Uh, I, yeah, uh, that used to be my problem because oh oh is down in Colombia and honestly he's been working on some video game stuff that he can't talk about right now so he hasn't been available to go to conventions or work on the webcomic for a few years now and uh, that leaves me going to uh, conventions and just kind of I had nothing to do basically I, I can't it wouldn't be interesting to sit and watch me write right. during the show. Yeah. And yeah, and it gives me other artists they could sit down and they can sketch and I just kind of mm-hmm. got the idea to sort of sketch with Legos. Very tactile. Yes. Uh, yeah, I'm actually and I find that I do it now just kind of idly yeah. uh, if I can. That's yeah. That's cool. Mm-hmm. So, uh, can you talk about the process of like do you lay it out in your head? Is there like an actual grid? Oh, okay, so initially, where do I start? <laughs> uh, no, that's actually the main question is where do mm-hmm. I start? Like, uh, if I know I want to do something, sometimes I'll get commissioned. Uh, for example, I got asked to do a Chewbacca, and yes. I kind of had to like monkey around in my head to figure out, okay, so how do I want to do that? Mm-hmm. Uh, what am, and you start to look at the limits Uh, Lego is not an easy medium because it doesn't, not every color exists in the Lego palette. So you have to kind of know what Lego is currently printing in what colors. And uh, then you have to know that uh, there's limits on top of that. The very first Lego uh, illustration I did was Peach and Mario. Oh, wow. 
And just because I knew it was like a simple 8-bit style. I've seen it done in Perler beads before. I'm like, oh, I can do that. That's no problem. And I laid it out. I made an illustration for it. And then found out later that LEGO does not make one-by-one plate squares of their pink, or as they call it on the website, light purple. Uh, So I started learning all these different things, that they have different code colors. Everything on their site makes no sense. Um, Their tan is actually brick yellow. Um, Their pink is light purple. And I start to... Uh, their grays are light stone gray and dark stone gray. Okay. Uh, and I start to memorize those as I'm putting things together. I start to learn uh, what bricks actually exist. And then the added difficulty is then the rarity of bricks. Uh, there are some that are very common. They, you can get in bulk and you start to find out that it, it looks like they have every brick available at a pick-a-brick in a Lego mm-hmm. store and not even close. Uh, no, nowhere near every color is available there. And so I start to become that guy that uh, the, the, there's a couple Lego stores in my area that they all know who I am. And then I'll come in, uh, often I'll come in on uh, restock days as they're uh, opening up the boxes. And they're very friendly and helpful. And they love the fact that I'm making the art with that. So they, they've been incredibly helpful in terms of letting me know what colors are available. And so sometimes the color available will affect what I'm going to make. For example, I'm working on The Thing right now from Fantastic Four. And the main reason why I'm doing that is because they had a lot of orange available in the month of April. So I stocked up on orange and was like, yeah, I can make this stuff. Yeah, you do have a lot of orange orange on the table right now. And so my art tends to be phasonally... Seasonally, seasonally phases around what colors they okay. have available in the store. Very yeah, because cool. otherwise, uh, this would be prohibitively expensive. Uh, right. I, they've come out recently with a 15 inch by 15 inch plate. Okay. Uh, normally, their plates are about one foot by one foot, mm-hmm. uh, or in terms of pegs, they'd be 36 by 36. Okay. This 15 inch by 15 inch is a 48 by 48 uh, in terms of pegs. So if I were to do just 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 one by ones on one mm-hmm. of those, and I've done one by ones on a forty-eight by forty-eight, but that's two thousand three hundred and four oh, wow. uh, pegs. Yeah. That's a lot. That's crazy. And then when you figure that each of those pegs, if I ordered them straight from Poland, that would be six cents a peg. Oh wow! So suddenly we're looking at about one hundred and sixty dollars to make just one plate, and I can't. Nobody wants to pay that much. Right. And honestly, I'm not going to. Uh, I'm not going to just put it on the table if there's not at least a little bit of profit for me to right. cover the cost of designing it. Uh, I understand that the putting it together part yeah. is probably the least valuable thing that I do because I think <laughs> people get upset that they can't yeah. put the art together themselves. Um, yeah, that's true. Huh? Yeah, I, I, I'm debating whether or not I should. It's. Like a I think if I did deal. that, I could get in trouble though. That's because at that point I'm actually straight up selling bootleg Lego kits. Gotcha. So yeah. yeah, so I don't want to necessarily go down that road. Do you do anything uh, like to adhere them, or are they just stuck on? No, the table? Uh, I use uh, because I'm specifically always using brand new Legos, okay. and I'm using in the first couple sticks for them usually. Mm-hmm. Like I rarely restick them. Okay. I find that the friction alone okay. keeps the piece together really nicely. I've had some that have been hanging up in my house for about a year now, oh, nice. and they don't go loose. 
So good yeah. to know. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks for chatting. Where can people find you online? You can find me at darrenjgendron.com or olaconqueso.com. Awesome. Yeah. They come with a paper right, here at Phoenix Fan Fusion, the low observatory booth. How's it going, guys? It's going pretty well. Awesome. So you got that big iHeart Pluto thing. So I thought I would come over and talk about Pluto. Okay. Like, what's the deal with Pluto? Is it a planet? Isn't it a planet? <laughs> That's the one question. That we're, a lot of the astronomers around here are very passionate about Pluto. So uh, there are three rules that the International Astronomical Union, they got together in 2006 and they made the three rules for the definition of a planet. One being the object has to orbit the sun. It's a pretty low bar. I mean, everything does except for moons, which orbit planets. Uh, two, the object has to be round. And three, it has to sweep out its own orbit of all debris. So there's too many of the Kuiper Belt objects that are in the orbital path of Pluto. Uh, and that's the reason that Pluto is not considered a planet. So but it's also wrong. <laughs> Heck, I'm the kind of guy who will dispute criterion one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, really, nothing is entirely round. Not even Earth is round. And a lot of them, you know, the sun. The technical term, I think, was something like, is achieved stable dynamics or something like that, mm-hmm. which, okay, that's fine, but it doesn't have an obvious translation for public speaking. Right, right. There are things that are round that are not in equilibrium, and there are things that are not round that are in equilibrium. But it's a lot easier to say round, so... A lot of years to say, this is an oblate spheroid. Yeah. <laughs> At least people sort of know what that means and it sounds cool. It doesn't. So do you think that that criteria will change in the future? I think it's... At some point, it would be it's pretty obsolete. Yeah. yeah, it's just a matter of convincing the astronomers. Yeah, it's pretty arbitrary definition already, and a lot of people aren't very happy with it. So, so what is like the general consensus that you find with people? Do they still think of Pluto as a planet? A lot of people do. I mean, we had dozens of people walk by today, and they're like, "Pluto is a planet." I, I wish it was too. I mean, can't really call myself a scientist if I don't follow the science rules. But so, uh, tell us more about Lowell Observatory. Yeah, well, uh, we were founded in 1896. I'm sorry, 1894. The Clark Telescope right over there, that was built in 1896. So it's 123 years old this summer. Uh, I mean, we still use it to this day, six nights out of the week, assuming good weather. We discovered Pluto in 1930. There's a lot of history with the observatory. Uh, But we're still planning some new things, so we actually have an expansion in October of this year. So we're going to have six new automated telescopes, computerized, highest degree of awesomeness. So we're going to have people come look through them and see them in the night sky. They're just for public use. They're not for research. Could I ask? Yes, you can, yes. Much like Pluto, I'm a borderline case. Awesome. There you go. Are you, are you having a good con here? Oh, for sure. Yeah. We've had a lots of lots of engagement. A lot of people have come by and bought some stuff. And I know. I like. Pluto. I love how they've incorporated the science yes. aspect. So do I. Very cool. Yes. Awesome. Okay. So, any final thoughts on Pluto or space or? Well, sci-fi. It's all good. Go do it. Yeah, it's all cool. May as well uh, research more into it. The more you look into it, the cooler it gets. So. Cool. And where can people go to find out more? About our uh, Lowell Observatory. Yeah. We've got our website, lowell.edu. You can also um, just Google Lowell Observatory. That's a good way to find us. Very cool. All right. Thank you much. Thanks for chatting. Now we're at the Arizona Museum of Natural History exhibit here at Phoenix Fan Fusion. Lots of really cool dinosaurs and really cool triceratops photo op. Hey, it rhymes. (laughs) But yeah, um, 
What was your name? Nikolai. I'm Nikolai. Nikolai. I work there at the uh, the museum. Okay, awesome. Do you want to tell us about some of these exhibits here? Sure, sure. So uh, we've got a lot of fossils here on this uh, table. We've actually got two real fossils out here with us today. And one of our uh, main exhibits right up here, we've got the uh, T-Rex right next to uh, Asuski tyrannus, which is actually a, a new species of early tyrannosaur that the museum actually, uh, we helped find and uh, categorize and everything. And actually one of our lead paleontologists helped in the, uh, the naming. We actually partnered with uh, Doug Wolf from okay. uh, that one. And uh, the thing about the, uh, this early tyrannosaur is uh, it'd only be about to about uh, maybe a hips Hips and uh, how, uh, how tall it would be, maybe about like uh, somewhere uh, 80 pounds perhaps or something. Oh, wow. Yeah, and, little guy. Yeah, a little guy. And the reason why you can actually uh, tell it's mainly a tyrannosaur and not a raptor, because it looks obviously a lot like a raptor, mm-hmm. uh, one of the main things is the skull structure is a bit, a bit broader in general, kind of looks more like a tyrannosaur. And uh, if we had the full model here, you'd actually be able to see the, uh, the feet and the angling of the hips and everything, as well as a lot more tyrannosaur and the, uh, the tail overall in general. So... It may look like a raptor, but kind of just the uh, general body structure is a bit more akin to the uh, more of the tyrannosaurus. So how how is it in relation to like the T Rex side? Is it like it would, cousins? Yeah, it pretty much kind of okay. more of a cousin. Yeah, and then these guys would come uh, before. So essentially, these are what we're looking at is what came before the T Rex oh. and evolved would evolve into it. There are a few other examples of this. Like uh, there's another species called uh, Guanlong, which would actually. Uh, evolve into another tyrannosaur and then of course there's not just obviously t-rex which they would uh, eventually go into because there are subspecies and everything and sub and um, uh, some of the subgenuses like there's a, a tyrannosaurus uh, batar which is actually from asia it's basically t-rex the skull is a bit slimmer though and actually it's a bit smaller as well okay but uh, tyrannosaurus rex obviously uh, here in america yeah. yeah very cool um so obviously at an event like Fusion here. Yeah. There's probably a lot of like Jurassic Park, Jurassic World yeah, fans. Yeah. Do you find that every time one of those movies comes out, it, that it reinvigorates interest in dinosaurs? It does. It really, really does. Especially also with the uh, the younger audience too. I get loads of kids at the museum asking me questions about a uh, Jurassic Park. And whenever we have one of those movie comes out, uh, usually we'll do like a, a fan event almost sorts. Uh, Afterward, like it'll be a themed well of uh, tables and carts with activities related to it. Sometimes we'll even uh, we've got a theater actually in our museum, so oh, we'll nice. have a screening of the uh, like the original movie that's or stuff fun. like that. Similar happens thing when uh, even just Star Wars too. We actually did a screening of a oh, New Hope cool. when uh, when Force Awakens came out. We uh, oh, showed nice. a New Hope in the theater. Very cool. Um, so how does how do how does pop culture compare with like actual real life? Yeah. So. Uh, <laughs> So with uh, Jurassic Park, actually, that's uh, coming to question a lot, especially with the new movies and everything. Uh, the original and just in general, the movies do have a bit of shielding because of the way they made them in the movies was with the, uh, the frog DNA. So technically, there are no di- uh, actual dinosaurs in Jurassic Park. They're all hybrids. So, I mean, that part holds up, but the actual the way they get them, like the extracting from amber, uh, not so much really. Yeah. <laughs> Although it, uh, it should be noted that uh, despite there, probably we wouldn't uh, ever really be able to extract dinosaur DNA that well from an amber sample. We have actually found uh, dinosaurs preserved in amber. Just recently, I think in uh, 2016, there was a, a raptor tail completely preserved somewhere, I think, in China. The, the feathers still had coloration. It was completely preserved all the oh, way through. And, and it was preserved in amber. Recently, actually, they found an, an ammonite even preserved oh, wow. in amber. And, People are, we're still trying to figure out, like, debating of uh, how exactly did that happen, because obviously yeah. you get the tree resin, and, like, how did that huh. end up in the ocean? Fascinating. How can people find out more about uh, Arizona Museum of Natural History? Arizona Museum of Natural History. that? So, uh, well, we got our address right there. We're in uh, downtown Mesa right there. At, uh, okay. And uh, 
bit more about the museum. We actually do have a website. We are online. So just look up uh, okay. Arizona Museum and After History. We've got a website and everything. I'm pretty sure we also have, a, we have social media and whatnot. And uh, actually, also a bit of a fun fact, uh, we got a few museums in the area. Uh, right across uh, down at the street or so is uh, the uh, Idea Museum. Pretty sure. Oh, that, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And uh, actually, right across the street, it's not open to the public, but we also do have our, uh, our, our lab, actually, is the Southwest Paleontological Society. So if there's anyone, like, interested in that, you can actually... Uh, Go to our website and everything, and there's a potentially yeah. to uh, <laughs> to register. Yeah. Dinosaur. Yeah, 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 you can go on the dinosaur. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you can actually go to our website, and we do have a volunteer tab. So if anyone's actually interested oh, okay. in potentially working at the museum, we do have a volunteer. We actually have a new uh, teen volunteer program as well. Oh, very cool. Awesome. Well, thanks for chatting. So there you have it. I hope you guys enjoyed my Phoenix Fan Fusion experience and all of the awesome people I talked to. Go to nerdaparadise.net and I did post some cosplay from Phoenix Fan Fusion, so that's always fun to look at. And be sure to check out everyone's website and social that I talk to. Like I mentioned at the beginning of the show, now that I'm getting all settled in my new place and the Nerd of Paradise studio is set up, you can expect more content coming soon, so stay tuned for that. You can check out nerdofparadise.net for past episodes or like I said, you know, like the cosplay gallery or different blog articles. And be sure to follow us on social media. Twitter is probably most active. The at for that is at N of Peapod. So until next time, stay nerdy everyone.